Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading! Hello and welcome to the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast. My name is Bex and I love books and I love chatting to authors who write them, which is pretty handy actually because I've been doing quite a lot of that recently. Now this is my first Bookworms podcast of the year for 2024 and we're starting it with a bang. Coming up super soon, you can hear me chatting to Ross Welford, but first... It's Tamsin Merchant. Now, I spoke to Tamsin all about her brand new book, The Troublemakers, as we return to the magical world of the Hatmakers in an epic and really exciting new adventure on the high seas. So I'm joined right now by Tamsin Merchant, author of the brand new book, The Troublemakers. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very, very good, thank you. And of course, um, we have to say that this is a bit of a, a book in a series, right? It is. It's the third book in the Cordelia Hatmaker series that starts with The Hatmakers and then continues with The Mapmakers. And now we have The Troublemakers. So if we haven't met Cordelia before, where do we find her? Actually on a boat at the very beginning of The Troublemakers, but it's in a dry dock which means that it's being built. So Cordelia before, she she's from a family of makers and uh, she knows other people in the making world as well. Yes. So makers are people that make magical items of clothing. They weave magical things into items of clothing. So you have the boot makers, the glove makers, the cloak makers, the watch makers and the hat makers. They all make sort of things like cloaks that give you extra elegance and boots that make you run fast, that kind of thing. So Cordelia is um, the youngest of the hat makers and she's got quite a, a lot of making talent, but sometimes it goes a bit awry and goes a little bit um, unpredictable. And this is something that happens in the book because I don't want to ruin too many things, but quite soon in, she is accused of treason. Yes, not without cause. Cordelia discovers that these magical ingredients, there, there are a lot of magical ingredients that create wonderful and wondrous magic, but there are some ingredients that cause trouble for people. And um, when this happens early on in the book, when a very dignified school teacher is suddenly a shrieking, spinning, farting, yowling mess in the park, they realise that there's some kind of trouble going on and there are definitely people behind the trouble that's happening to all of these magical clothes. So Cordelia is determined to find out who is behind this sort of dreadful and wicked trouble that's happening and she's going to try and set things right because everything's gone a bit wrong. I have to say, I do love the idea of magical clothes. You immediately hook me in with those uh, those ideas. What was your kind of favourite thing to invent or think about when it came to magical clothes? Oh, that's a really good question. I really enjoyed in The Troublemakers the idea of a watch that makes you go backwards. That was quite fun. <laughs> and I think any kind of dancing shoe would be quite a fun thing as well. But if, if the ingredients are slightly wrong, if a maker gets the balance of things wrong, then 
then that can have quite a strange effect on the wearer of the dancing shoes, for example. So you might start dancing a kind of out of control polka or something. <laughs> so uh, I think it's the, the idea of clothes that make the wearer feel very special is one thing and very exciting. But also, I have to say, writing this book, inventing clothes that made everything go a bit haywire was actually really fun. <laughs> I can well imagine. I also like the idea that there's like a code, like you can't have meddling magic. You can't have things that are meant to change someone's mind, for example. Yes, that's actually a very important rule. And I think it's probably quite a good rule for life as well. Like people have to make up their own minds about things and you can try and persuade them, but you can't force them to change their minds about things. So if you made a hat to change someone's mind, for example, that's probably not a very responsible or kind thing to do. <laughs> And given given the previous history of the makers, they have to kind of be on best behaviour, right? They've sort of trodden this line between popularity and being sort of vilified by people. Because I think people with lots of, with power and talent, like the makers, if you have lots of magic at your fingertips, I think there are some people that will want to celebrate that and some people that will want to control it and be afraid of it. And so I was exploring that in the book. And yes, there's definitely people who who love the makers and people who do not love them. And it's a struggle between those two groups and those two sort of different ways of thinking about magic. That is definitely something that's very important in the troublemakers. Yeah, you've got some particularly dull people who don't love magic and who don't want it to be around. But then you've got some lovely old people who are who are big fans of the uh, of the makers. But tell me about Cordelia's big adventure, because, yeah, the, the troublemakers are essentially pirates and she is sent to sea. Uh, tell me what happens when she gets out on her travels. Well, Cordelia flees out to sea on her family boat and um, there is a band of pirates called the Troublemakers who are deliberately making trouble and giving all of the other magical makers a bad reputation because the trouble that they're sowing into clothes is getting everywhere and is making people scared of magic and giving the people that hate magic a reason to clamp down on it and try and get rid of it. So Cordelia decides she has to go and find the Troublemakers and bring them to justice and... That includes a trip across the ocean to an island. And there's an island called St. Free Rest, which is a sort of wild outpost in the middle of the ocean. And then close by, there's another island that not everybody can get to. And that contains what Cordelia believes to be very dangerous mad magical ingredients and mad magical creatures and plants and trees and people who have made it their hideout and that's where they are creating their wicked magic from. Uh, was it good to go back to the character of Cordelia? Was it quite nice to kind of revisit her? Yeah, I really enjoyed revisiting Cordelia and also Goose and Sam, her friends. We've got Goose Bootmaker, who is a very stout and loyal friend, and Sam Lightfinger, who is a very talented weaver of light. So we've got these this little trio of friends who um, can't really do without each other. They um, go on their wondrous adventures together and... I really enjoyed writing all three of them together. It's really fun to sort of see them playing off each other and their different personalities springing back up to life on the page. So, yeah, that was fun. And is this the last we'll see of the gang or are you hoping for more maker adventures? Well, I'm about to start writing my fourth 
book, which is in the world of the makers, but is not about Cordelia and her friends. But people who read The Troublemakers will see that at the end, there's definitely an opening for more adventures of Cordelia Hatmaker and the makers of London. Before I let you go, we do a little quick fire round of questions with all of the authors who come to Fun Kids. Is it okay to do that with you now? Of course, yeah. Wicked. All right. Well, it's just a little this or that game, basically. So for example, uh, do you prefer books or Kindles? Books. Yeah, everyone says it. Um, Heroes or villains? This is probably a cop out, but I just don't think you can have a good hero without a good villain. Yeah, that's a great point. I like that. No one's ever said that before, but that is exactly correct. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) a great great shot. Yeah. Film adaptation or TV adaptation? Oh, I think film adaptation. Okay, lovely. Acting or writing? Because I know you're also an actor. Oh, I can't choose. (laughs) I can't choose between them. (laughs) That's fair enough. Um, Beginnings or endings? Beginnings. Hogwarts or Narnia? Ooh, Hogwarts. Would you rather be a boot maker or a glove maker? I think I'd rather be a boot maker because I feel like boots and shoes, there's something about how you stand on the earth and how you walk the earth that for me feels really kind of connected to magic in a really deep, primal way. And I, I love gloves, but I, I just a good pair of boots can really make your day. Oh, you're right. It really changes everything about your stance. I love that. Um, Do you use a laptop or do you write by hand? I do both, but I write by hand in a notebook at first when I'm thinking things up, because I think when things come from your mind to the pen, kind of travel through your body onto the page, there's something really free about that because you can just draw whatever you want to. And I write without lines on the paper as well. So it's really free. And then when a laptop, yeah, when a laptop comes in, it's a bit more official and everything looks really, really sensible and real. Like it corrects your spelling immediately. And, you know, it all feels a bit more sort of like someone's watching. So I I like to start with a notebook and pen and then um, graduate to a laptop when I feel ready for things to look official. Do you write nine to five or do you write whenever you fancy? I do three hours every day. And I time myself because if I didn't time myself, my naughty little brain would find a way out of it. So I time myself and I start in the morning and I try and finish by lunchtime. And then I'll read or go to museums or do other little writing bits in the afternoon. But my ideal writing is start at nine, finish at one. Because beyond that, I realised quite a long time ago that I get the same amount done if I did it the whole day than I do if I do nine till one. So, yeah. And then I spend the afternoon trying to inspire, add inspiration into my brain and into my soul. So I I think it's really important when you're writing to continually also be taking things in and be exploring things. So, yeah, it's a little... What an ideal day. That sounds delightful. (laughs) It's pretty good. (laughs) Big fan of that. Um, Do you prefer Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? That is such a difficult bear fight (laughs) um it really is yeah I think uh, my parents live really near Winnie the Pooh so as he's a neighbor I should be polite and say I prefer Winnie the Pooh I'm sure he'd be delighted (laughs) and finally the last one the big one the most important one of all salt and vinegar or cheese and onion oh can I say neither (laughs) (laughs) you can't is it because you don't like crisps or because you have a better third option I really love I love crisps and 
I love ready salted crisps, which is really terribly mm-hmm. boring. But I also love the um, the roast chicken flavor that you get some in some places. That is. Roast- yeah. You know what? I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you that hidden third option. I'll Ooh. allow roast chicken to, to enter the Hall of Fame when it comes to crisps. <laughs> Thank you. I highly recommend it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's usually in like European cities you get roast chicken flavored crisps. All right. Well, I'm going to have to look out for them, Tamsin. Yeah. You have um, to go on a journey to find some crisps. <laughs> I'll, I'll go on a little adventure to find some crisps and I'll imagine myself as Cordelia Hatmaker. Thank you, Tamsin, so much oh, for telling us all about the brilliant brand new book. Um, I believe it's out on the 18th. Is that right? It is. Yeah. It's out on the 18th of January. Fabulous. And uh, thank you so much for telling us about it. And hopefully we'll see you for the next adventure in the maker's world. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Hello, everyone. I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon. And I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading! Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much to Tamsin for telling us all about the Troublemakers. I also caught up with Ross Welford recently. Now, he told me about time travelling with a tortoise. It's the follow-up to his book Time Travelling with a Hamster, and I've got to say it's just as funny and just as excellent. So I am joined right now by the author Ross Welford. How are you doing, Ross? Hello, Bex. I'm doing very well. It's lovely to be here. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. Um, Now, your bright and colourful front cover, Time Travelling with a Tortoise, Immediately, I was hooked in. And then, you know what? I checked out the first page of your book, the little prologue. And as soon as I read the first page, I was like, we got we got to chat to this guy. I love it immediately. <laughs> Is that the bit where it goes, it does the little recap? Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, <laughs> do you know what? That's funny. That was one of the very first bits I ever wrote. It's, it's rare that the first bit you, that you write ends up being the first thing in the book. But uh, that was fun to write. Well, it's really handy for someone like me because um, this is the sequel to uh, your previous book, Time Travelling with a Hamster, which I hadn't read for my sins. So this was quite handy to get back into the swing of it immediately. Yeah, well, we, we, we kind of had to do that because it's been, what, eight or nine years since Time Travelling with a Hamster came out. And we were quite keen that the book was going to appeal to people who had read the first one, mm-hmm. but also it wasn't going to be too off-putting. If you hadn't read the first one, you'd still be able to enjoy the book. So that's why that's why we did it that way. And you absolutely can. And tell us about uh, Al then. How, how do we meet Al? Where is he? What's happened to him so far in the previous book? In the previous book, Al received a letter on his 12th birthday from his late father directing him to where he would find the time machine that his dad had been secretly working on before his death. And Al uses the time machine. He goes to where it is and he ends up Using it, he takes his hamster, called Alan Shearer, (laughs) along with him on the ride to try to save his dad's life, basically. And once he does that, he he gets his life back into a, a way that he is happy with. He has saved his dad's life, and that's how book one ends. You know, I love Time Coupling with a Hamster. It's the favourite book I've written, and it seems to be everybody's favourite too. But it always struck me that there was going to be something slightly odd about Al's new life that he's sure. created thanks to his time traveling efforts in that um you know he's changed history yeah 
and it ends up not really being his real life. There's a dissatisfaction begins to creep into Al's life very early in book two. We get started on that very quickly, and we realise that the happiness that Al sought so keenly is not exactly where he wants to be, and he's got to go back and fix it. Yeah, because of course it changes the course of everybody's life. You know, obviously his mum and dad, his his granddad, his his stepsister Carly, his kind of ex stepdad Steve as well. Like everybody is affected and and don't know, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean that, uh, that is the thing. I mean, it, every time travel story in some way comes butts up against this paradox, if you like, or the slight difficulty of what, what happens when you change history. Yeah, and yeah, but you know, various time travel stories deal with it in different ways. And this is how I wanted to do it with this one. I wanted Al to properly sort out his life. And also, it gets a, in book two, you know, we end up getting a little bit mystical in as much as the universe itself, space-time itself, does not like being messed with, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Now, do you find it difficult to plan and write out? Like, do you have kind of like post-it notes on the wall? Because to me, writing a time-travelling story seems incredibly tricky. <laughs> it is, Bex, it is. But no, I can't do it with post-it notes. I, <laughs> yeah, You know, that sort of approach to writing a story, that was what kept me from writing for so long. Oh. These are tips and everything that you, you get in how to write books, books. You know, mm-hmm. which you know suggests that you you know you plot out your plot and your your character arcs and oh god, it never worked for me. <laughs> All I do, I start at the beginning, somehow muddle through to the end, and then go back and fix it all in a long, long process of rewriting. So that's how it works for me. I must also confess, I have a bit of a vested interest in this because I'm from the Northeast. And Boy. so I clocked very early. I was like, all right, I can tell it's it's a Northeast set place, excellent stuff, and set in Culvercott. And I was like, but there's nowhere near here called Culvercott. And then I realized it's Colourcoats. Is that right? It's Colourcoats. It's, it is. It's, it's absolutely Colourcoats. For <laughs> some reason, I lost in the mists of time when I was writing Time Travelling with a Hamster. I changed the name of Colourcoats, which is where I grew up. I grew up in yeah. But kept everything else the same. So it's Whitley Bay, Tynemouth, Newcastle, Blythe, everything else is the same, you know. And I don't really know why I did that. <laughs> I think I was a little bit concerned that the depiction of colour codes wasn't entirely geographically accurate. Some I of see. Some of the wrong place or something. And it was my first book, and I worried that people would mind. <laughs> the the colour codes council up in arms, yeah, like, this isn't where well, we live. Like, Hang on. <laughs> You can't get to Sandhurst Avenue from Beach Road via that way, you know. <laughs> so I changed it, and I've been tempted to change it back ever since. But ah, it's too late now. It's in Colvicott appears in one way or another in most of my books. I love it. Yeah, and so I, uh, I'm stuck with it now. <laughs> it's like like a little Easter egg for people like me because I read it and you mentioned Blythe quite quickly, and yeah. then you know you're you're really good at writing Geordie as well. You know that um just just phrases like Bonnie Lad and Hawaii and that kind of stuff and uh, yeah, and even um, it though, can you? it's tr- it's tricky. But also there's even the surname Stoko. I was like that's such a northeaster. I know so many people with the surname Stoko. <laughs> oh, the little kid. Uh, yeah, he's he's named after the former manager of Sunderland. Oh, I see. Yeah. Boo, Bob, boo, Bob Stoker. Well, yeah, Bob Stoker was the uh, manager of Sunderland when I was a kid. I and, see. Uh, because I'm a Newcastle supporter. Excellent, yeah, correct. Stoko to the name of a kid who wasn't very nice. 
that's a bit mean but you know i love it all these connections i love it um yeah so i was very glad to read it because i'm actually sat in northumberland as we speak so i was like i'm very very thrilled to read about this but tell me all about al and and coming back to him as a character was it weird to come back to a character you've written years ago it was quite comforting really the one i liked coming back to the most is uh grandpa byron Mm -hmm. um because he his dialogue is fun to write um because uh, his accent is a sort of blend of an Indian accent and a Geordie accent. Mm-hmm. It's fun to hear him in my head. And yeah, I mean, the the difficult thing with um, coming back to it after eight or nine years, particularly with a character like Al, is you've got to make sure that you're accurate with the character, that he's not saying something that, you know. So a number of times I had to, you know, when I was editing, I had to go back and check in book one and say, and, you know, has he said this before? Is this a sort of, is this the sort of thing that Al would say? Mm-hmm. Sort of thing, you know. So yeah, it, it had its challenges, but it was a lot of fun going back to the characters that I'd created before. You know, I now live in complete envy of anybody who writes a series. Oh really? Oh, oh god, yeah. Those, those rotters, they have it. They have it so easy. They, they know exactly what their characters are going to behave like. You know, they, mm-hmm. they know what they speak like. This is only the first sequel I've ever done. I see. And every time, you know, I start a book, I'm building a new a, a new world, a new set of relationships, a new character, and you have to make sure that they don't necessarily all speak alike and everything and have different characteristics. But coming back to do a, a companion book, um, as we're calling it, rather than a sequel, mm-hmm. um, with the same characters, that's fun. That's nice. I got, I got started straight away on it without too much dithering about which is what i normally do it must be nice to feel like you're coming back to old friends i suppose yeah and i do like the characters i like al yeah he's a good kid i like carly as well yeah she, you know she's a good a source of a good few you know snarky one-liners i knew i would like her very early doors when she immediately blocked al from texting her yes. and i was like Good. She's going to be fun. I like this girl. Yeah. Now tell me, you've, obviously we've got a second book, but are you thinking now a third, a fourth, a fifth? Or are you like, no, we'll, we'll leave the guys there and then have you got other projects on the go? No immediate plans to bring them back. But I am, um, yeah, I'm working on a, uh, I'm working on a new book um, at the moment for next year. I don't think I can, uh, I, don't, I can probably not tell you too much about it, but it's within the, the ballpark area of stuff that I write about. <laughs> Science fictiony, you know, that fantasy, magic-y sort of thing, you know. Okay, okay, I, I see what you've done there. You're kind of keeping it vague, but slightly more okay. Kind of lonely area. I get you. That's good. Apart from anything else, Bex, I don't really know myself. I'm only about <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm only about ten thousand words into it, and uh, you know, I don't really know what's going on in it. I, this is how I write. I have a vague idea, and I stumble through it until I get to the end, and then I see what I've got. So I, I could tell you something now, and it would be completely different by by the summer. Well, we don't want you to you know, give us false information, so I'll let you off. Yes. Don't worry about that. That's all right. Now, before I let you go, we do something with all authors at Fun Kids where we have a little quick-fire round of questions, like a this or that game I wondered if I could do with you. Oh, God, yeah. I'll, I'll probably make a complete idiot of myself. Honestly, don't you worry. Yeah, this in advance. So, uh. there's, there's no right or wrong answers. It's just to get oh, a feel. Oh, yeah, yeah, you always say that. Well, and, and, you know, one or two might be tricky. The first one's pretty easy. Books or Kindles? Books. Yeah, I had a Kindle. I've had a couple of Kindles, but I've either lost them or mislaid them, and I've never gone back to them. I like books. 
Yeah, I'm the same, actually. I don't know. I've got a Kindle somewhere in the house, but I don't know where. <laughs> it's quite concerning. I, I used to sort of use it, but now I can't be bothered. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Uh, heroes or villains? I have to go heroes because I seldom get the chance to write villains. I, I love villains, but a lot of my stories, you know, the villains, they're either circumstantial or mm. because oh, there's a lot of reasons for that. But I, I, I like writing heroes. I like people doing the right thing and coming out of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh but then I like villains too. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'll go, I'll go heroes just for the sake of it. Okay, but I did enjoy the internal struggle there. Film adaptation or TV adaptation? I think these days it would have to be TV because mm. you can take so much longer uh, overdoing it, you know? Um, I was, funny enough, on TV last night, I was watching the adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, the old one with... With Colin Firth. Colin Firth as, as Mr Darcy. It was great because they didn't have to chop loads out in order to fit a two-hour a two movie. You know, you can really a little go more breathing room. The book out with a TV adaptation. Yeah, I can, I can turn in, especially with Netflix now as well. There's yes, a lot more chance exactly. of that happening. New York or California? Oh, I like them both. I literally saw this on your website that you've put both of them on there. So you've got, you've gone California. I do like, yeah, California. Okay, I mean, okay. America's nuts at the moment. I would, I'm not sure I'd like to live there right now, but, um, but yeah, California is such a wonderful place. Excellent. Uh, beginnings or endings? Yeah, beginnings. Because without a good beginning. You, you, nobody's ever going to get to the end. <laughs> that's you know? a good point, yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I do a writing workshop in schools and, and whatnot. It's called How to Write an Awesome Opening. And, yeah, in that, I uh, that's, that's what I tell participants. That, you know, you, you, you've got to pay attention to your opening because if people don't like it, they're not going to get any further. And also, that's the reason that we are chatting right now is because I opened your book and I was ah, like... Well, there you go. Immediately, it's the, the one I want to read. Tortoise or hamster? Do you know what? I would. I, th- I think I would, I would go for a tortoise because huh. they live for like ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and hamsters, cute though they are, they do have a, a tragically short lifespan. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a better answer. Yeah, to- yeah, I'll give you that. Hogwarts or Narnia? Oh. <laughs> oh. Hogwarts. Hogwarts. Just for a chance to shout out Harry Potter, uh, <laughs> just because you know, I think you know, I think Harry Potter is a work of genius. But then you know, so the so the Narnia books. But um, uh, yeah, Hogwarts. Hogwarts. I'd be the same to be honest. Laptop or write by hand? Oh, I never write by hand, apart from making notes. So it's either laptop or my big computer. Okay, uh, Tynemouth or Whitley Bay? Oh, yeah, man, that's tricky for somebody who comes from Colgo, which is slap bang in the middle of the team. I know, that's that's why I've asked the question. Uh, I don't ask everybody that question. When I was younger, <laughs> I'd have said Whitley Bay because that's where all the pubs and clubs were. But now I'm a little bit uh, a little bit older. I'd probably have to say Tynemouth. Yeah, Tynemouth is pretty, isn't it? Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? Paddington. That was the most immediate answer you've given. Yeah, yeah no, I think Padding, Paddington is great. Uh, so, so is Pooh Bear, Pooh Bear, but yeah, Paddington. All Padders. Um, there's more to go on as well. You get There's more stories. Ex- yeah, that's a good point, yeah. And finally, this is the last one and the big one, the most important one of all. Salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Cheese and onion. No, yeah, really? No, salt and vinegar are too salty and vinegary. <gasps> I mean... Sorry, but I just failed. That was the only one I cared about. That was the <laughs> only one. You could have said anything for anyone. But you know what? I liked your book so much, I'll let you off. It's fine. Oh, thank you. <laughs> 
Um, so, uh, Ross, thank you so much for telling us all about time traveling with a tortoise. Uh, remind us when it comes out and where we can find it. It is Champagne's pop- the Champagne Corks Popping. Uh, it's today. Yay! Yay, today. Uh, I don't know when this is going out, but we're speaking on January the 4th. So, um, uh, yeah, today is uh, publication day. I've celebrated with, with a cup of tea and getting on working with my next one. That's how it is, you see. Wow. What a hardworking person you are. Um, <laughs> well, Ross, thank you so much for telling us all about the book. Congratulations. And uh, hopefully we'll see you for the next one as well. Thank you very much, Bex. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Lovely stuff. Thank you so much to Ross Welford and to Tamsin Merchant. Not only was I thrilled, of course, that they could tell me all about their brand new books, but I was also very happy to have some new entrants into the Cheese and Onion versus Salt and Vinegar Fun Kids author debate. Yes, excellent work all round. That's pretty much it from me this week in the Fun Kids Bookworms podcast. In the meantime, like, subscribe and tell all of your friends about this pod and I'll see you soon. Bye. Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading!